I too want to greet you in Christ's name this morning, and I'd also um, as well like to extend a welcome to our visitors. It's good to have you with us, and we trust that that um, you can be blessed as you worship with us here this morning. It's good to sit in Sunday school here this morning and uh, just look at the life of Jesus. Look at how he related to people in need. And um, one thing that, that stood out to me in... I guess it was the three different accounts, was um, two of them, two of them Jesus touched, and one of them reached out and touched Jesus. And just how uh, the importance of receiving the touch of Jesus in our lives. And uh, just thinking of those blind men, Jesus told them not to tell people what he had done and they went out and they couldn't contain it they went out and they they told seems like everyone they met um, what had happened and what about in our lives has Jesus made that kind of a difference in our lives so some some um, food for thought there this morning I <clears throat> I want to um, share a message on, on truth, the subject of truth. And um, if you want a title, um, I would use the title, Knowing the Truth. Proverbs 23, 23 says, Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Buy the truth and sell it not. We buy things that we need and sometimes things that we want. And I've said in the past that most anything I have is for sale as long as uh, someone offers me enough for it. Um, I, I kind of maybe have a different attitude about that now. Um, I don't really like to go out and purchase high-dollar things. <laughs> and so if I don't have to sell it um, and replace it, take, for instance, a vehicle or something like that, um, it's just nice to, to stick with what I have. But that kind of an attitude, I, I'd sell most anything I have, as long as you offer me enough for it, um, shows that the value of the things I own, the monetary value, um, I'm sorry, yeah, the value of it, um, th there's a limit to that value of what it holds to me. Proverbs says, buy the truth and sell it not at no cost don't sell the truth don't get rid of it don't part with it as we come into the new testament i did a a quick word search 
on the words truth and true, just in the New Testament. And I found only two books of the New Testament that don't have the words true or truth. Those books are Philemon and Jude. At first I had looked at just the word truth, and Revelation did not have the word truth in it. But then looking up true, there were quite a number of, of references on that. And I believe that indicates the spiritual importance of truth, that God views truth as important. I also believe that there is a desire in man to know truth a universal desire to know truth. Everyone wants to know the truth. I don't think anyone wants to be deceived. But when we know the truth, it also brings us to an accountability, a need of making a decision on whether or not we're going to surrender to that truth. And I had to think of how an atheist chooses not to believe that there is a God. And why is that? So if the atheist believes that there is a God, they then need to make a decision on that truth. And they're then accountable to God and his judgment. So when we know the truth, we need to choose. Will we follow the truth or not? This morning I'd like to invite you to the book of John. And I'm going to be just kind of here and there, a number of places in the book of John in looking at the word truth <coughs> and the subject of truth. Um, that was also another thing that, that came clear to me that in thinking of truth and, and what it is, that John speaks very much about truth. So I'd like to begin in John chapter 1, the first 14 verses here, looking at the foundation of truth. That's my first point, the foundation of truth. In John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Just pausing there a moment. The Word, and here as it speaks of the Word, is speaking of, of Jesus. He was in the beginning. He was uncreated. He was one with the Father at the creation and even before. And moving on, verse 3, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, 
but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Just pausing there for a few moments. Um, you probably noticed the word light standing out there. First we had word in verses 1 and 2, and now we have light. And as I consider light, as we think of a natural or artificial light that we would use, just think of an artificial light, we go out into the darkness and we take a flashlight along, and that flashlight shows the truth of what's there. Um, when we go out in the dark, it shows that there are not maybe the scary animals that we think are out there to get us, but that everything is okay. Or it can also show us, I had a, uh, just yesterday morning I think it was, I, I got up, the house was dark, I went out to the kitchen, and I noticed there was something in the middle of the kitchen, there was a light on it, and I, I didn't know what it was. It was, there was just a, just a little electronic light on it. I turned the light on, and the truth was, the dishwasher door was open. Okay? Simple thing. Now, here, Jesus, the Word, came as a light into the world to show the truth. Now, verse, four, verse, verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of men, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then just um, jumping to verse 17 there, talks about the law. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Jesus was full of grace and truth. I find it interesting how as Jesus came, those two attributes, both his grace, but also the truth, come together, and he was full of them. I think as, as humans, we may tend to err on the grace or the truth. But I trust that we desire to be, as Jesus, to be of grace and truth. So we have truth coming by Christ and also revealed through Christ, the light. Now I'd like to move to John chapter 8. We have a discussion here between Jesus and, and some of the Jews who were, I guess you could say they were opposing him. They, they were. Uh, Jesus had, had just spoken of himself, uh, verses 28, and he talks about 
them having lifted up the Son of Man, knowing who he was then. Uh, but anyways, uh, verse 30, it says, As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus, verse 31, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So there we continue to find Jesus, the one who brings the truth. Continuing in him, we will know the truth. The truth that brings freedom. Now as we continue here, it seems like the tables kind of turn from those that believed on him to where we're hearing from those who did not believe on him. Beginning in verse 33 here, it says, They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and we and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If therefore the son if the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. So here, just that verse just really stands out. If the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. You will truly be free. Jesus uh, was speaking to the Jews here, and I'm not sure what they meant here. We're Abraham's seed and we're never in bondage. I'm not sure what they were thinking, just knowing of, of the captivities in the past. But Jesus recognized a bondage that these people, the Jews, were in without him. And he pointed out that the freedom that he brings is true freedom greater freedom even than a physical freedom, freedom from man. And verse 37, I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. There again we have the word. And we can bring the word the word, and truth together. Jesus recognized that truth did not have a place in, in these people, and they wanted to kill him. The truth was bringing conviction, as it does. And we're going to, we'll see that again in verse 40 when we get there. As, as I mentioned before, when we know the truth, um, it brings us to a place of acceptance, whether or not we're going to accept that truth. And that's, I believe, is where they were here. Verse 38. 
I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But here again, thinking of that conviction. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, ye would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do ye not understand my speech, even because ye cannot hear my word? Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So here Jesus is pointing out they could not take, they could not accept the truth, because their father the one they were following was not of the truth. In fact, the devil is against the truth. It says here that he is a liar and he is the father of lies. Or we could say his lies are who he is. <clears throat> Jesus was recognizing that uh, he was dealing truth against untruth. He recognized that he was dealing against his opposing force, the devil. And as long as, as long as they would not acknowledge the truth, Jesus could not make headway with them. Okay, I think we're going to just stop here, and we're going to move now into John chapter 14, where Jesus, we, we've, been, we've been seeing Jesus speaking of the truth, and how he brings truth, how he brought truth to mankind. But now in John 14, we have the passage here of Jesus um, talking about his going to heaven and preparing mansions for those that love him. And Thomas questioned him in verse 5. How, how are we going to know how to get where you are? And Jesus clearly speaks of himself in verse 6. Verse, yeah, we'll read verses 6 and 7. It says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Jesus said of himself, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Declaring himself as the truth, plainly. And I find here, in my Bible it says, on either side of truth, that Jesus, Jesus is the way, he is also the life. 
As we follow Jesus the truth, we find the way, and we also find life in Christ. Uh, one more verse here uh, in, in John 15, verse 26. Jesus then says, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from, my, from the Father, he shall testify of me. The Spirit of truth. Jesus promised to send his comfort, Comforter, his Holy Spirit, who would testify of him to mankind of the truth. And in that, he is one with Christ. When the Holy Spirit speaks to us, he will speak the truth. And it will agree with the word of God. The Holy Spirit, in speaking to us, will agree with the word of God, and it will be truth. Now, I'd like to think back to John chapter 1. As we think of truth, we were reading about truth, not only in verse 14 there, but as we read about Christ being the Word, the Word being at the, in the beginning, we were already then reading, looking at truth. There is a final truth, a final verity and validity in life. I believe that we as mankind are created with an inner realization that there is a truth. Man may want to look at truth as being relative, but it's not. Christ was from the beginning. And I believe that for truth to be truth, it must go back to the beginning, to the Trinity to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And only there will we find truth. Just uh, still one more verse in this point of Christ as the found, or as, I'm sorry, one more point, or one more verse in this point of the foundation of truth. If I can get my words right here. There's a famous question of Pilate in John chapter 18, verse 38. Verse 37, Jesus said, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find no fault in him. Now, I don't know what all is contained in that question of Pilate. I'm not sure if it was a, uh, a mocking question, if it was a... Um, somehow I don't get the feeling it was a sincere question... I'm not, I'm not sure how he asked that. But what is truth? The truth is, 
that the truth was standing right in front of Pilate there. Jesus held the truth in his hands, within himself, and, and Pilate missed it. He was so close to truth, and yet he missed it. This morning, the foundation of truth is found in Jesus, and all truth answers to Jesus. <clears throat> Second point, I'd like to look at the practice of truth. What does it mean to practice truth? We're just going to continue in John here. John chapter 17 and verse 17. Jesus was praying for his apostles here in the high priestly prayer. And he said, Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. Okay? So notice the word sanctification and truth. There together. John 15 and verse 3 says, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Okay, notice the word clean. Being clean through the word, and the word is truth. In Ephesians chapter 5, Let's turn there quickly. Ephesians 5, verses, verses 25 and 26, Jesus is, or, or I'm sorry, Paul is speaking of, of the love in marriage, husbands loving wives, comparing that to Christ's love of the church. Verse 26 says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. There again we have the word or the truth by which Christ sanctifies and cleanses the church. So we have there the words word and truth and cleansing and sanctification. The practice of truth is a cleansing or a sanctification through Christ. It's a continual cleansing and living in the word and in truth. James says in, in chapter 1 verse 25, he says, just going to turn there quickly so I have that correct for sure. James 1 verse 25 says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, there again, the word, the truth, looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Looking into the law of liberty and continuing therein, and continuing in the word of God. So as we find blessing in that. This morning, what do you, and I ask more specifically to myself, what do I do? When I look into the law of liberty, into God's truth, and it speaks to me, when it speaks about 
my eating habits, or my recreation, my priorities, my relationships. What do I do? Do I continue in the way I've been walking, or do I continue in what the Word of God teaches? Do I change my ways to become more what God wants me to be, to follow the truth? There is no room to be ashamed of the truth. As God speaks truth to you and I, and as it speaks to where I'm at in life, as it seeks to draw me to become more like him, there's no need, no room to be ashamed of that. As humans, we, we simply do have a tendency of ebbing away from the truth. If we are not paying attention, if we're not considering where we're at, where we're going, and I think we all recognize that fact, and yet it can happen so subtly, so quickly, where we, maybe we've believed something here, and 10 years later, we recognize we're not where we had been 10 years before. Where are we going to be in another 10 years? So it's important that we anchor to the truth and to what God would have of us. I'm sure we all know those who have moved from the truth and, and very possibly in deception have moved from what they once stood for. And may that never be said of us here this morning. God's word is truth, and practicers of the truth will accept the truth and do what it tells them to do. And that's continued sanctification through the word of God. Third point, I'd like to look at speaking the truth. I think everyone wants to be known as a truthful person. They, they want to be, we want to be believed when we say something. And we soon learn to know who we can trust and who we can't. Who speaks the truth? And as God's people, it is important that we are people who are known to be truthful people. That's the nature of who God is, is truth. And if we are going to identify with God, we need to be truthful people. Our trustworthiness or our lack of trustworthiness 
can lead unbelievers either toward or away from the truth. If we are not trustworthy people, it mars what people see of Christ within us. So I ask you this morning, can people say of you, you can count on his word, you can count on her word. Can everyone count on you and me and our word? Ephesians 4 verse 25 calls us to put away lying. That word lying, um, just uh, what I could gather from the, uh, the original word there is the word pseudos, um, which means a falsehood. Very close to our English word pseudo or uh, maybe it's often used as a prefix, pseudo, which means not actual, or it resembles something, or maybe a fake. Put away lying. Put away that which is not actual, that which is not true. In the business world, how far can you trust? You know, there's a lot of scammers out there, a lot of shady dealers. And it can be hard just to simply trust in, in the business world. But how far can you be trusted in providing a service or a product? Does the customer receive the promised expectations? And I recognize there can be misunderstandings there. But do we do our best to be upfront and honest in giving the expectations promised? Matthew 5, verse 37 calls us to let our yea be yea and our nay be nay. If my simple words can't be the truth, how much is it going to help to swear an oath? Um, that's what it talks about there, that we're not supposed to swear an oath, but that we need to let our yea be yea and our nay be nay. And, and I, I trust that our simple words are truth. I had to think, too, um, and this, this probably... Um, can tend to hit most everyone, but what about exaggeration? Um, how much do we use exaggeration to get our point across? And, and even using exaggeration and just leaving the impression that that's the way it is. Um, how, how honest is that? Another thing that, that hit pretty close to me here is, you know, as, as brothers and sisters, we care about each other. And often we hear that question to us, how are you doing? What is your, what is my response to that question? How are you doing? 
I'm doing fine. I'm doing well. Are you doing well? And that's, that's just hit me. I, I often use that response. And even when I'm not always doing so well. And I recognize that we <clears throat> do not always just spill everything to everyone. But you know, if I respond to you that I'm doing well, when I'm really not doing that well, um, it probably isn't really drawing you to pray extra for me. Whereas if I would share, I'm going through a difficult season of life. Um, I'm facing a struggle at this time. I'm discouraged. Um, whatever it might be. As brothers and sisters in Christ, it should draw us to pray more for one another. And I just want to take that as a challenge to to be more honest in that area. The fourth point I want to bring out here this morning is the messengers of truth. And I would say up front that messengers of the truth must first be practicers of the truth. If we are going to share the truth, we need to know the truth within our hearts and be living out the truth. John chapter 3 brings out that message of truth. The, the well-known verse there, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but of everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That message of truth is the gift of salvation, the tremendous love of God, in that he sent his Son not to condemn the world, but to save the world. It's a simple message, not a message of impossibility to attain. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10 um, says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, that we will be saved. And that message is for all of mankind a message of faith. The, uh, the Gospels speak of the life of Christ here on earth. And I'm um, just getting... Actually, the Gospel of John does not really speak of the actual birth of Christ. I believe all three others do. And... Um, don't know where Brother Matt's planning to go with that on Christmas Day, I believe. He's preaching. But um, the Christmas season does provide opportunities to share the message of truth. And one, one 
area I think of, and many of us have children here this morning. Many of us have young children here. And at Christmas time, you go into public, probably especially at the cash registers at stores, and the cashier notices the children. It's kind of that exciting time of year and might say, are you ready for Santa Claus? Are you looking forward to Santa Claus? And, um, you know, right there provides an opportunity to, to share the real meaning of Christmas, of Christ coming to this world. So maybe just an encouragement to children that as you go to town with your parents, you can be a means of, of helping to share the truth of Christmas as, um, as, as the people in public there enjoy seeing you. Um, it gives opportunity to, to share that Jesus is the true reason for Christmas, that Jesus is the one that we worship at Christmas time, and um, not some make-believe um, jolly man. Another thing I think of is at Christmas time, there are, as well as any time, but there are many lonely and sad people in our world today. Often we think of Christmas time as a time when families get together and, and do things together. Enjoyable time. But there is loneliness. There are people who who recognize that there are those have gone, who have gone before them. And it's a time when we can show our love and care to them as we take time for them. I would also like to say that the message is first shown by our lives. The message of truth is first of all shown by our lives. But it is also spoken needs to be spoken as the Holy Spirit directs us. And I, I know for myself, I tend to, um, I tend to want to think of my life as being the message. Um, it's hard for me to speak out the message of truth. But I want to be faithful and do that as God leads me to do that. Uh, because I believe that going hand in hand, our lives and speaking the truth is a powerful message to the world around us that we truly believe what we profess, what we claim to believe. This morning I just want to challenge and encourage us that we continue to be people of truth, following the truth and that as the truth speaks to us, that we have hearts that are open to becoming more sanctified and more cleansed by the work that God would do within us. Let's kneel together for prayer. <clears throat>